episode 166. Hopefully, we get 167. Uh, <laughs> a shelter somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll try and keep this as football as possible uh, because we don't need people listening to this having an existential crisis on the way to their work on Monday. Well, morning. to be honest, after our last two <laughs> games, we kind of are. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. The argument yeah. could be had that that had already begun two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, um, so we, you know. In amongst all this upheaval and all the crazy shit going on around the world, one thing you can bank on is the Albion providing a a, a hop step to any team in a poor run of form. Uh, and yesterday was a wonderful way of continuing that consistency in a world full of inconsistencies right now. Uh, Villa came to us bereft of confidence, some really poor results lately, uh, and one absolute goal out of nowhere, and then a classic lump over the top counter attack. Uh, and it was enough to totally nullify us from the word go. Uh, Adam, Craig, how are we? How's life? How are you feeling after that yesterday? Says it all. Was it the 79th minute when we got our first shot on target? <clears throat> yes. Yes, it was. Yep. I know exactly which one you're talking about. Uh, yeah, it was just like a scuffed Mopay shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that pretty much sums up the game. It, it was uh, it, it was drab. We looked absolutely toothless. Um, I think we looked worse than we did against Burnley, which is impressive because we looked terrible and we lost three 0 against Burnley. Um, uh, it, it's it's hard to even explain what's happened, just because it's it's hard to pinpoint where it's fallen apart. But the fact is, it, the wheels have come off right now and something needs to happen very, very quickly to get them back on. Because we talked a few weeks back about how this run of games that we have is ultimately, in some ways, going to define our season because it's against teams that are either around us or we should ideally be beating because they're lower than us. Um, so we've gone into games against... Um, Watford, which we won cleanly. Let's let's okay. Let's not forget about that. We go into a horribly out of form Man United in a crisis, get beaten. We go against Burnley, get smashed at home. We go against Villa and get smashed at home. We now face Newcastle and then go into a run of Liverpool, Spurs, Man City. I don't. Fa- I let alone. I guess not even points at the moment. The only way I look at these fixtures and think I feel confident that we'll get something out of them is if we hold them to a nil-nil draw. I d- it doesn't even feel to me like we look like we can score. It's very strange, isn't it? I th- I think you've you've nailed it. That clearly something has happened, or something has has <laughs> something's happened to these performances where. <clears throat> We, we talk over and over again about not creating enough chances this season compared to last season where we're creating a load and just getting absolutely nothing. Um, and I think where I would personally pinpoint it is probably the defence. And it, it has to be because there's two very simple mistakes that happened yesterday. Um, and we do look very fragile at the back. Now, a lot of our results, as the goals against would tell you, um, is that our strength is not allowing many goals against us. And if you don't concede any goals, you don't lose. So that that's really been our strength at this point. Um, scoring goals has always been our problem. Um, it has been before this season. It probably will be, <laughs> hopefully not, with Vundav with coming in. But it seems a perpetual problem for us. Um, the difference is, is, I think Webster's out. Um, I, I'm not going to subscribe to this Dan Burn bits and pieces where he is the key bit that's now gone and we're suddenly in disarray i don't think that's it um i think something's changed where we're we're playing very differently um at the back that leads us to be more fragile and a couple of mistakes yesterday and our attacking prowess means that we're never going to get back into that game you could have given us another 90 minutes i will say one thing because although i don't think we played any better to this weekend against Villa than we did against Burnley. Offensively, I thought we did look better at the back, personally. When you look at the two goals we conceded, one was the classic over-the-top counter-attack that we conceded exactly the same way to Villa at the beginning of the year. Uh, And we also then conceded that goal to Matty Cash that was just one of those ones where you 
it just happens. Um, he's hit that really well. It's had to come off the post to go. It was a tough one. Um, I thought we looked better for the most part at the back. I don't think there was a huge amount of times where I thought, oh, we're definitely going to concede here. Unlike last week, where it was every attack that, that Burnley were pushing forward. Um, and, and we did have our chances, though, right? Uh, who was it? Was it McAllister skying over from 10 yards out? Uh, I think Moda also had one where he missed from like a guilt edge chance. Um, you know, we are, I think Solly March made a great run from a passion Kukurea and nobody was there to support him. So he was just left in no man's land. If we had anybody with some kind of proper, like number nine strikers instinct, we may well have got something from that as well. It's, it's very frustrating to watch. Um, and I, I posted it in one of the WhatsApp groups that I'm in of people who are like, not very happy. Um, I think that the problem is, is that we didn't, if we had mid-table Premier League quality players, like a lot of people think we do on mass, we would be 2-1 up at halftime because McAllister and Moda were scored their chances. Like that's two goals. That's what mid-table Premier League teams do. Case in point, what Villa are doing, right? We don't have those players. We still have bottom six quality players. And before I get comments from people saying that that's like very doom and gloom, because I know there's a lot of people expecting us to finish top half. We have bottom six quality players now. Those players are 21 years old. They're being signed to do exactly what Basuma's doing and become mid-table Premier League player quality players in two seasons' time. But holy shit, is it tough to watch right now? Like it is, it is hard sometimes to watch it. And in two years' time, it may well all work out, and all those players may well become, you know, those mid-table quality players that are finishing those chances. But as of right now, like, oh my god, it is frustrating to watch. Um, I guess the other is that a cat that's just in front of your camera now mm-hmm. <laughs> look at that i don't know if people obviously if you're listening on the podcast you can't see that josh was covered is currently covered by a, a tail there we go yeah yeah uh so he's nice a celebrity cat. now yeah yeah nice he's an idiot um <laughs> I, I i guess that the, the part that maybe I, i'm a little uh fearful about is have has have we been found out has Potter to a certain extent been found out? Because yes, I, I think you're up, Craig. You're absolutely right, uh, and, and Josh, I agree with you as well. It's a combination of things, right? It's, we all, when we look at stuff, we always want to just be like, "Here it is. Here's the problem, and we just need to fix that." And normally, it's never that simple. It's it's a number of different things. Um, we're suffering from an, some key players being out injured or coming back from injuries. We've got defensive frailties. We've lost defenders. Is there something to the Dan Burn stuff? marginally right he was never the savior of brighton but would we be a better team right now with him in the team yes we would i don't think i I don't disagree with that piece um i still think the club takes that deal time and time again even currently watching what they're currently watching they still get you take the money um do we have top half quality players in some positions but mostly yeah josh you're, you're right it's it's this side was built to be a side that um is greater than some of the parts in some ways, right? It's it's all these players playing together with part of the system and they overachieve what their individual capabilities are. That That's the design of the team. But the other piece is we've started to see now, how do you beat Brighton? And we've been saying this for months. You sit back, you organize yourself in banks. Um, we don't have the ability to take long shots. We don't have the ability to do some intricate central passing, or maybe we do, but we don't do it. We get the ball out wide. We cross the ball in. You clear it. You counter against us, and you score. If we don't score, and the cat's gone wild, if we don't score, the game's over. Like, it, it's it's as simple as that. You can just sit there, and you can just beat us on the counter attack. And I'm, we're now seeing that time and time again of sides doing that to us. Um, and it's typically the sides that you would otherwise look at and go, these are beatable teams. And that's why oftentimes when we face sides that are above us and we get into these David and Goliath battles, they they won't sit back against us as a point of pride and as a point of their abilities and what they think they can do. So they will come out and attack. And that fits our game plan. So maybe we actually get some more points out of your 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 Man Cities and the other games that we've got to play because they're not going to sit back and do what sides like Burnley and Villa have done. 
I think that's. I would argue fun. we're not going to see that too next week, right? Anyhow, <laughs> no, yeah. we're not get back, regardless no. of. So we we may end up seeing that we we tend to be a bit of a bogey team for Newcastle, don't we? We may end up getting a result there, despite them, like you say, on paper being the sort of team in the lower half that under Bruce Ball may well have been the team to do exactly that because they have. Uh, under how it may well be the other way around and this is a team that we can take points off of despite them being in great form yeah, yeah. I, I think you're spot on though I, it's, we, we always struggle to break down teams because you know all that possession based football and, and being able to create those chances it does seem like we're being a bit one dimensional at the moment in you know let's just cross it in and put it into Mope who is significantly smaller than most centre-backs um, so and and the whip crosses don't reach anyone. Um, so yeah, it, there's there's no danger from long. There's no danger from corners. Um, it seems like a very like I said a very one dimensional plan. Um, and we're being found out quite quickly now. Um, so something needs to change. Something needs to whether it's faster. Um, for those in the US watching on the commentary, I think. Um, you know, once we start speeding up the play, even the commentators were saying, you know, this is what we probably need. We need a change of pace rather than this slower build-up. Um, but the, the fact remains is that if if we do, especially at home, you know, <clears throat> trying to break down these teams, we just find it too difficult and we never get a result. Does anyone have worse home form than us in the league, apart from maybe Norwich? Yes, I think there are a few, honestly. Uh, let me look. Uh, yeah, Leeds, Burnley, Norwich and Watford are all worse than us. Uh, and Brentford are the same. Same record. So there's only one other team that hasn't fired their manager with a worse home record. Correct. <laughs> okay. And next but, but, By the way, I'm it, not alluding to anything there. I'm just... Well, if you want to be really interesting about it, the next up above us are Newcastle fired their manager, Villa fired their manager, Everton fired their manager. Uh, you have to go all the way up to 11th place in the home table before you find a team that hasn't sat their manager. So we're the only team in the bottom half, like bottom eight, that haven't sat their manager with that kind of home form. I think I think that tells you a lot about the Premier League than it does us. <laughs> yeah, uh, we are also a, eighth yeah. in away form, though. Well, there's no whereas, doubt in that. Whereas a lot of the teams all at the bottom half of the away form are the same teams <laughs> that are in the bottom half of the home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think the other piece is... We, I guess in some ways we have to talk a little bit about the problems of, of even just getting fans to the Amex. And I know we don't suffer from that. Well, we suffer from it in a big way, right? We, it's very difficult for us to get to the Amex. But even back when <laughs> we used to try and get there, you, it, God, it's just, it's a problem. So, and it, are we suffering from a, it's not really at the Fortress Amex, is it? Like size are just coming in and just, <laughs> It's not an intimidating place to be. And partially that's probably because you have to go planes, trains and automobiles to get to the stadium. <laughs> like even Villa couldn't even get there. <laughs> Craig's getting abuse in the chat from Mikey for having the audacity of coming back on the podcast for when we were on a winning run. Uh, no, I know. I was off for the Man United game as well. So that's, that's my, that's my defense that that was also that's, shocking. Can we, can we, because you're right, Adam, I think that the Amex is a ma major problem. Um, all of it, all of the, all of the Amex is an issue. Um, they have a massive atmosphere problem and have done for a while. And they, they have, they had an atmosphere problem since I lived there and went to the Amex. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So let's, can I just talk about John Brooks a little bit though? Um, because I was just looking up his record uh, in the Premier League. That was his third game he's refereed yes. in the Premier League. Uh, he has given out 16 yellow cards in three Premier League games this season. He had no control over that game from Wurgo, did he? I, I don't think I've seen a more inept refereeing performance over a course of 90 minutes. And not like a, oh, you screwed us over or you screwed someone over. Just there's a man in the centre of the pitch that looks like he should he's won a competition to be there. Uh, in the way that he was just a detriment to everything going on on the field. Are you talking about McAllister? Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I tweeted out during the game that I, there's no way this ends with 22 players on the, on the, on the pitch because it was just 
God, it was so scrappy for that first half. Um, I, I suppose even if we had Pierluigi Colina refereeing this game, we still lose the game 2-0. Agreed. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, how many times have we talked about the refereeing quality? I think the, the thing is it goes for pretty much every side and unless you are so established and playing in. And again, this goes back to the atmosphere in your there's no doubt that referees are influenced by rowdy, loud crowds in home games. And, and you get those big decisions when you're when you're at Anfield and the crowd's going nuts. Referees do get influenced by that. Um, they're certainly not influenced by things at the Amex at the moment, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I think I sort Because it's been, like, like Josh said, it's it's been a thing for a while, hasn't it? Where it's <clears throat> seemingly been an issue throughout um you thought that that would change when we got to the premier league in in 2017 and you know that that novelty sort of wore off pretty quickly quicker than i thought it would um but yeah it's it's it seems very drab if in in that way and adam to your point like there's there's no influence there's no 12th man there um so there's sort of that home advantage that you get um it just seems a bit off. Uh, well, the stadium sorry. cleaned out as well about 80 minutes. <clears throat> and and look, again, let's go back to the fact that we know we've all been there. We've all done it. Um, despite obviously now, now being in the U S it's a pain in the ass to get out of that stadium and get back to Brighton or wherever you came from after a game, you stand in that horrendously long line and you watch 400 different trains go by. And eventually you get on, um, back when I was there, it felt like they used to like empty the trains, toilets at the stadium while you were standing there. So it stank in the light. Look, I get it. Um, but back to what Mikey said in the chat too, our away support has been astounding. Every time that, um, you know, you can, you can hear us loud and clear against some of the bigger sides that we play. Um, but there's... There's just something about it. But again, it, it doesn't excuse the performances. It doesn't excuse the fact that defensively we're playing um, Kukurea and Veltman at centre-back alongside a dunk who's been out for weeks. Um, Webster's out. We didn't have Lolana, who despite people's mixed reviews on, is integral to the way that this team plays. Um, he was not replaced yesterday. Uh, and we just don't look like we can shoot. Uh, those are the Those are the things. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mikey was talking about the the one with the limited seating at home to City, the three two win, the comeback uh, at home, um, and yeah, that's right. Yes, you're exactly right, though, Mikey. Like that was the best atmosphere I'd heard since that Sheffield Wednesday playoff game, and like that was when we still didn't get up to the Premier League. We're talking four five years ago, uh, and it took eight thousand people, and it sounded better than a thirty thousand crowd. And this is, like I said, this has been a problem since we lived there. Like when I, when I had the choice quite often as a younger man to either go to the Amex to watch us play who were Blackburn in the championship or to go watch us play Walsall at Walsall, I'd rather go to Walsall. Like that was more fun for me because the atmosphere was better. The general vibe was better. And it felt like you were proper getting behind the team, and there was a, it was always a good day out, even if you got tanked by someone. Like I remember when we went up to Carlisle and got beat like two nothing, and it was awful. I still there was still a better atmosphere two 0 down at Carlisle with like eight hundred of us uh, than it has been, and it has been a lot um, at the at the Premier League level at home at the Amex against some of these big clubs that you would expect would have a big turnout. Yeah, I, and that's a. I don't think any of that is going to be fixed anytime soon, right? Um, and that doesn't then, I guess, change the fact that we have, although we've not seen many of this this season, we've put in some really fine performances at home, um, where we 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 have performed to a level even when the atmosphere hasn't been fantastic. So again, it's not. This, these aren't binary things where it's like, well, if people just cheered a bit louder and had a couple more beers in them, then we'd win the game. Um, but it certainly isn't helping. Yeah, not at all. Uh, Mike, you said if he started chanting in the West Upper, he'd be like, like a lunatic. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, yeah. I think that's 
part and parcel of the problem, isn't it? Um, it is the club is very family friendly, and that is excellent. But you've got to find a divide somewhere, like a you've got to find a partition somewhere where you can get a decent atmosphere at the same time. Um, even the greatest fans in the world, uh, Crystal Palace, are struggling with that. Uh, they they continue to say that they are the best that the world can ever look at. Um, and they still argue amongst themselves as to where they're going to sit. So <laughs> it seems like a genuine thing that a lot of teams do struggle with. Um, but then, you know, you've got teams like Liverpool who can quite literally dictate an entire European final if it's at Anfield uh, based on the crowd alone. Yeah, uh, I, I still... I still wonder whether um, it's also a bit of chicken and egg with it, right? A crowd is going to be louder, rowdy when the team looks more up for it. And we've seen that in games where it's like, even if we're down, if we look like we're playing good football, we're pressing, we're trying to get back into the game. We get some of that. And I, and I think we would have got some of that if the Watkins goal didn't happen yesterday. Um, As soon as that goal went in, everyone looked around at one another and they thought, there's no way in hell we're scoring two goals. See ya. Um, and there's that there's that air of inevitability about the team at the moment because we know how fruitless we are for, for, from a goal-scoring standpoint. If you go more than a goal down, we, we give up. Um, and the amount of comebacks that we've had in the league, they felt that always it's just we've always been within reach of the game. When we're 2-0 down now, I don't know. It's just, it, I'd be amazed if we suddenly, you know, smashed in two goals against a side that then just puts an iron men behind the ball. We just can't do it. We just don't look like we can do it. Yep. Uh, let's talk about the players. Um, Cause I don't think there's a much, much more to talk about on the game. It was the same as we've seen the last couple of, like it is what it is. Like if you've, if you've listened to the last two episodes, uh, the overall ebb and flow of the game is pretty much exactly the same. So you can go back and listen to that if you want. Um, the players themselves, uh, I, I don't think Donkey looked off it yesterday, um, which he had been susceptible to when he first came back from his injury. Uh, he didn't look way off the pace like he had been previously. Obviously, it wasn't at his best because we conceded two goals. But I was at least happy to see that he was not all over the shop. Uh, I thought Kukurea played quite well, other than clearly being targeted uh, to get <laughs> to get carded by the Villa players as much as possible. Um, I thought we like actually played badly. I, I thought he was Kuku? one of the poorest players on the pitch for me, Kukurea. Yeah, really for his, for his what we know he can do. Um, okay. Yeah, and maybe that's an important bit of context to add. Like for him, it was a bad game in my opinion. He was still better than a number of players on the team just because he is a better player. But he felt poor to me. I don't know what Craig. Maybe Craig can mediate us. <laughs> no, I, 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 I take the partisan sort of route and just say, like, I think, I think you're right. Like the bar that he set for himself, especially when he came in and hit the ground running, his bar is high, and he was better than a number of players yesterday. But he's not up to that usual standard that we would expect from him, um, and that might be unjust a little bit, just because he did set that bar so high, and and we're suddenly talking about. Um, yeah, a wing back that's probably one of the best in the league. Um, for him to have an okay game means that he he might get scrutinised a little bit. Um, I got a uh, I got a Twitter direct message yesterday, uh, shortly after the game. I suspect when someone was in one of those aforementioned train queues, uh, Gareth Hayden. Hope I don't mind. Hope you don't mind me name dropping you, Gareth. Uh, said Basuma was a gr- disgrace today. I was at the game. Uh, his game plan consisted of a five-yard pass back and then strolled around the pitch meanderingly. Repeat. Yeah, he really didn't do a lot. Uh, it was well, and we 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 sat here last week talking about it. Right, is that this this could be a make or break game for him? That you know, there's there's now no excuses, um, and see what what he does against this Villa team. See if he can pick it up by the scruff of the neck like he normally does with games where we're a little bit iffy. Um, we saw nothing of the sort yesterday. Um, I didn't see anything of the, I don't, I don't want to say the, the old Basuma, but again, from a, from a bar and an expectation standpoint, um, we're just not seeing what we used to be seeing it from him. Um, something's changed. Um, I don't know if it's the mentality or whether it's just too much in one go after coming off the AFCON, but uh, yeah, that, 
that's not the Basuma that we know and love and like to watch. When was his last good game? I think he played pretty well against Man U, if I remember right. He did. He, against he played U. really well. He basically ran. He, I remember saying if it wasn't for Basuma, we'd have conceded two more. Uh, and and I think that's probably what we're seeing, right? It, it'll he'll play well when he's in the shop window, um, and and then when he's playing against Burnley and Villa, he's going to coast. And um, but maybe that we could say that about the whole team. Uh, he, he was he's he, as you say he's been dire, I, I, and and this goes back to the point that Josh made earlier in the pod. This team's quality at baseline is towards the bottom part of the table. Um, where we've been go- going above and beyond is some of these players that have abilities that are beyond that have been playing out of their skin. Kugureya, Basuma, um, Lamptey earlier on in the season, really going above and beyond and dragging us up the table. When they don't do that, when you see Kukureya not playing that great, when you see Basuma chugging along not doing much when you see Lamptey kind of just marked out of the game like we saw yesterday for the most part he still did a bit uh you're going to run into problems uh and and you are and and again back to the thing that people will continue to talk about especially given next week's game is one of those other players that was playing way above their abilities was was Dan Byrne and, we, and we've replaced him with um players that that really are not playing at that same level of form as he was. Um, and that's a problem. Trossard's completely out of it too. Like, my word. He doesn't look like yeah. an international at all, does he? <laughs> I, I, oh, God, if, if, if I'm Martinez, I'm not calling him up anytime soon. Strange. It just feels that the whole team's off the ball, doesn't it? I think yeah. it just goes to our opening our opening of the whole pot was some there's more than one thing wrong here um it seems that everyone's off in some way um i guess moving on to anyone that did have a good game i thought march was one of the best players for us easily um he he gets he, he gets a he gets a lot of stick a lot of stick for being the player that he is the versatile player that he is um but i i thought he was great and i the, some of the runs he was making, the corners, yeah, we can we, we can forgive that a little bit. I don't think I saw one go past the first or second man. Um, but I think the runs and sort of trying to drag us into that game and trying to make something happen, um, especially in the, I guess, the latter of the second half as well, um, I thought it, it's worth, worth mentioning that I thought he was one of our best players, if not the best player yesterday. I would agree about everything. Uh, to the point where I will say that this this tells me how much I think Solly March played well and how much everybody else is so far off it. There was two moments yesterday where Solly was two steps ahead of everybody else in his head, footballing-wise. And if Solly is two steps ahead of every other player on the pitch, <laughs> that is not a slate on Solly, but so, like Solly is a very good bottom six player and is not going to get any further than that. That's how he is. That's He's 27. He's peaked. There are players around him that should be looking to exceed those levels quite comfortably. And when he is so far ahead of everybody in that sharpness and the, and the movement and everything, that's a big problem. You should, Solly March should not be able to get in behind the defense from a decent pass from Kukurea and have no option to pass to because everybody else is shocked he's made the run because they are all just meandering because God forbid we play one direct ball. That was horrific. Uh, and then there was another one not too long before or after that where he beat a man and was wide open and, and had the ball at his mercy and, and there was no one in the box even trying to look active. Everyone And I think he ended up just having to hit it for a corner, like just get it, get a deflection off of someone because again, there was just nothing going on. Everybody was just what the what Gareth said about Pesuma, just strolling. Just... I mean, he, he even put it on Welbeck's head to a T in the second half. I mean, he couldn't really have done that. Much more. Was guilt edged that chance, yeah. So, you know, he done everything that we could have asked from him yesterday, um, to the point of genuinely putting it on someone's head for them to finish, um, and and it just wasn't there. Um, I can't can't blame him at all. I thought he was. I mean, we're going to talk about man of the match, but it's pretty clear to me. Here's a question. Um, why did we only make one sub? It's a great question. And I was thinking the same thing mm-hmm. yesterday. Uh, answers on a postcard, because I don't know. 
<laughs> it's, not it's not like we can we had to comply I mean I know our bench isn't exactly like thrilling but uh firstly I would have felt better with Alzate sat in the center of midfield rather than McAllister kind of being a bit of a pivot uh, I thought I thought with McAllister coming in and playing centre mid because Lallana was injured, I, it makes no sense to me that Alzate didn't play there instead. It's weird, isn't it? Maybe he took a knock or something, or just was off a little bit. I, I was. It's weird that you don't throw in a bit of a wild card in Casado, you know, around the seventy fifth, eightieth minute when you're not doing anything. Um, get Pascal gross off even, Ferguson. yeah. Get just do something like the only card he played was 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 bringing on Danny Welbeck. He, was poor. I don't think if he expected that to, ball to get to him for the header, by the way. But yeah, it was bad. If you're going to keep what, if you, because we definitely decided towards the end there that we were just going to focus on lumping the ball into the box and try and hit Danny Welbeck. If you're going to do that, get Mope off and get Ferguson on because he's not a small fellow either. Like yeah. get him on and see if there's another head in the box. I, like to me, that's the like you've got ten minutes left. Why not? Like I don't. And we were playing well back on the left wing, weren't we? For the most part, it felt like he was playing on the far on the left side. He was on the touchline a fair amount of it too. Get him in the box. Get him in the middle. Yep. Although you've seen what happens when he gets in the middle. (laughs) He miss. He misses sitters. Um, Yeah, true. I'm telling you, Danny Welbeck. I told you at the beginning, Danny Welbeck is nowhere near good enough for this side. And I know people were absolutely going mental last summer. Sign him up for two or three years. I don't want him signed up after this year. Let him go. Let him go do whatever he wants to do somewhere else and earn a wage somewhere else. If we're signing Undav and we're probably going to go out and try and sign someone else or decide Ferguson is ready to be a proper part of the team, let's just stop wasting money on him. I know he can change a game, but I'm just not, I've never been sold on him. I really haven't. I just, I don't see what everyone else sees other than the occasional goal. And like, we have, we have plenty of players that can do the occasional goal. <laughs> do we? Yeah, Mope scores one <laughs> goals all the time and he shouldn't be scoring half as goals he scores. I would love it if we had a, the odd few players that could score an occasional goal, but it feels like we have a lot of players that can't score the occasional goal. <laughs> but, yeah, I, look, Danny Warbeck is who he is. We've seen that throughout his career. Everyone said like, oh, he'll come good at some point. He'll come good and by hook or by crook and injuries and whatnot. He, he is, but he's, he's got quality in short bursts. Um, and... I still remember that that goal. Was it last season where he leaped it over someone's head and did a little turn and smacked it in? Like we don't have many players that can do that. Um, so he has that quality. I, I really, I think the hope for the club was was that um, Connolly was your was your player and Welbeck just strolls off into the sunset after this year. But you know we know how that worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we do. We, we we do talk about it, don't we? Like, who who do you want a one on one to fall to? And Welbeck is probably first or second on your list every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we never get those chances. So uh, you know, when when we're talking about hypotheticals and actually playing to our strengths, are we ever going to be a counter attacking team? No. So in in that, when you use that perspective and sort of that lens, Danny Welbeck does become less useful because you know from a, a from a striker that is just going to be very clinical and we don't get clinical chances and when we do it falls to a midfielder and they go yeah. 15 feet over the over the crossbar so yeah it, it's, it is a I'm more on the fence than maybe Josh is around that I think having an experienced striker around someone like Evan Ferguson as well um does help but um, when it comes to purely from the performance of the team, um, he is lagging behind. And I think just the header yesterday says it all. Just it that should have been on target. There's no excuse for that not to be. Yeah, not great. Um, Newcastle next. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that bottom of the table. I feel like the more the less said about the game, the better. We've, I think we've covered everything we need to cover, to be honest. Um, Norwich. Their resurgence under Smith seems to be well and truly done. Uh, they are back bottom of the table, 17 points after their after their good run of form. I uh, think it's safe to say that any hopes they had, I think, of any of making that great escape is probably over uh, with this coming back down to earth. Um, they got drubbed by City, drubbed by Liverpool, um, and then Southampton, who are not the same of the calibre, obviously, just put two past them and could have been eight or nine. Uh, they were really poor this weekend. Uh, Watford, if you're Watford, 
good draw yesterday against Manchester United. Um, I think everybody's eyes have got to firmly be set on Leeds now, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Because I thought Everton played well yesterday and were quite frankly absolutely robbed at the, by the penalty shout there. I don't know if you saw that yeah, uh, yeah. with Rodri. But Leeds, uh, the greatest manager to ever grace God's green earth, uh, has been fired, sacked, gone, binned <laughs> off. Um, and they're bringing in uh, Leipzig's ex-American manager. Jesse, yeah. Uh, Jesse March. Marsh. Uh, they are in terrible form. They've conceded 20 goals in the month of February, which is the most goals conceded in a month by any Premier League team. And February is the shortest month for those who are trying to remember that. Uh, that's really as bad as it gets. Um, there are minus 31 goal difference now. Only Norwich are worse off. So Watford and Burnley. Uh, Burnley win and they go above them. So that's like, and that's just a fact. And they've got two games in hand on them. Uh, if you're Watford, you've got to be looking at it and going, if we have any chance at all of, of staying up, we we have to we have to catch them, I think, at this point. Don't you? I think Leeds are in big trouble. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's that's a really leaky defense. That's as bad as we'll probably ever see. Um, just getting drummed, and you know, there's there's no there's no taking away from Southampton who are doing silly things, and they're a very good team this year. All of a sudden, um, so but they're just yeah, complete freefall. Um, something needs to radically change at Leeds, otherwise, I think they're in big trouble. Marsh are going to come in and organise them a lot more. We know how Bielsa's style of football is um, and how that works when all of his best players, bar Rafinha, are out injured. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's a problem. I, I, I'm still looking at Brentford. Uh, they, they were, this, the, the Premier League has turned into a very polarising table this year um, where it almost feels like we have eight-plus terrible teams <laughs> uh, all, all vying to go down and then the odd teams at the top who are just almost you know unstoppable um we've we're now at a point more than ever where you feel like man city playing anyone anyone for the most part outside of two three other teams is, is just a walk in the park um but yeah from a form standpoint you worry about Leeds and brentford um I know Everton, you, you mentioned they were a little unlucky there, but again, form-wise, like, no one's really sold on Lampard just yet. Like, who knows? But quality-wise, they should be able to do it. Um, outside of that lot, if I put us up against who else we are around in the table, Southampton, um, Palace, Villa, Leicester, Newcastle, um, I hate to say it, we're the worst form team out of all of those. Um, we look mm-hmm. the worst out of all of those. So suddenly, you know, we're cheering away f- a few days ago that we're not even discussing relegation. We're still not discussing relegation. But now I'm feeling more resigned to a, a bottom quarter finish now is, is what we're starting. To, unless something turns around. And, and the other thing to note here is we are currently missing Adam Webster, Adam Lalana, Enoch Mwepu, um, Jeremy Sarmiento, who game like yesterday is someone you'd love to bring on. Go on, yeah. Um, it, those are that's a lot of value. Those players like Webster and Wepu's value alone, you've got 50, 60 million quids worth of player right there. Just those two. Big losses. Um yeah. yeah. I mean, I it doesn't get any easier, does it either? <laughs> Look no. at that fixture list. Uh Newcastle, then Liverpool, Tottenham City, Norwich. Arsenal, Spurs, Southampton, Wolves, Manchester United, Leeds, and West Ham. Brutal. Good job. I, there's a. I, I will say another thing because I've seen the the beginning, the beginning of the of the talk. I don't think we're in any danger of going down. I think no. I think we would literally need to lose every single game for the rest of the year, mm-hmm. and other teams would have to exceed expectations. I think it's like Watford are needing over a point per game to catch us now. Like, let that sink in to the people listening who are concerned we may go down. Watford are on 19 points from 26 games played, and they need to exceed one point per game to catch us today. Burnley, pretty much the same. They are not even achieving close to a point per game right now. 
So I think for anybody really worried about it, and there are people, unless they're just like trolling, uh, but they, they, they kind of, they've been that way for ages. I've recognized the names and people get scared very easily. <laughs> I, we aren't going down. It could be a really shit end to the season and could be very right. boring and unfun to watch. Uh, but I, I don't think there's any risk of us becoming a championship team this year. Not even, I, I really wouldn't even worry about it. I think that's, that's, there's that change in perception though, isn't it? Where we, we sat here three, four weeks ago saying how far up the table should we be looking? Um, and now almost borderline consigning ourselves to, um, okay, we'll, we'll finish 14th and 15th and, and we'll, we'll deal with that. So and it, it all stems on to you know, Josh's point earlier, just around the fact of the calibre of this team and where we should be looking, not not where we think we should be looking, um, but realistically, where where does this team finish in uh, a genuine team like a League of Twenty? And, and Adam, to your point, you've got very bad teams in this Premier League. Um, there's there's no other way to say it with Norwich, Watford, Burnley, um, just the way Leeds, Brentford, Newcastle have been playing. I'm not saying about the next 12 games because that can change everything, but the the genuine the general sort of calibre of team in this Premier League so far hasn't been great. Um and we very much could even slip down into into that into that pool. Um it's a strange one, isn't it? But that's football, isn't it? So you know Yeah you're gonna this is a blip and and the big thing is you have to not let this blip turn into a free fall and that's all on potter um and that's what he gets paid for you can't get smacked by burnley comfortably beaten by villa and then go lose to newcastle before going into a a string of games against liverpool um spurs and man city because if you get nothing out of these games bar a point or two, then you are in free fall mode. Then we are talking about, well, okay, can we can we grasp 15th? But as you say, these things turn on a dime really, 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 really quickly. We could be talking in a couple of weeks and going, can you believe we managed to get three points against Liverpool? Uh, now we're looking up again. We suddenly can turn things around. Basuma's playing a bit better. We've got Webster back. Lalana's back in. Wepu's back in training. Like these things can change, as you say. But it doesn't look good right now when you look at things. When you when you look at the results, if you look at the upcoming fixtures, my eyes go to um, April, where we play Norwich. And, and right now, again, I still don't. Until this side proves otherwise. Uh, it doesn't feel like we're capable of scoring. Um, and that has to change before we start having any other discussions. You've got to score to win a game. I know that sounds so stupid and cliche, but we have not been able to score uh, for 15, over two weeks. Uh, and that's been four games we, we've played. I'm excluding the Watford game. Three games we've played where we just haven't been able to score. Well, it's less than a goal a game. It's what twenty five goals, twenty six games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike in the chat said lots of people said he's a brilliant manager. I think this could be his toughest test to date. I think that's unquestionable, right? Like, I think in terms of a man management situation, I think it absolutely is. I think he's had tougher tests in the league in terms of keeping us up and the relegation issues and stuff like that. A uh, lot of big name players at a contract in eighteen months. Lots of clearly disconnect like disconnects and strange shit going on on the pitch there's probably translation because things are not quite right off of it um this is where that emotional intelligence degree comes in comes in hand mm -hmm. right like this is where we need to see how we can bring these people back from the brink and if we don't and if we can't bring these people back and we can't get performances out of them it's then okay but like, how brutal is he going to be because for the nicest, for the Mr. Nice Guy routine he's got, he sure weren't very nice at the beginning where he booted out half the team for being bad attitude people. Like, for everybody who says he's a nice, calm guy, that's you've got, like, six people that he was just like, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, that Hutton had tolerated. Are we going to see that happen again? Uh, and if so, I think you're then going to have to accept that he's he's about as well-rounded as it gets. Um, and we just need to see what you can do from then on. That's where it gets interesting as well, isn't it? You're just seeing what, what now happens. We saw him with 
the Sanchez and, and sort of putting him in with instead of Matty Ryan and, and stuff like that. He's clearly not not afraid to make those choices and, and do the hard work. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Like you said, clearly there's something off the pitch as well to see such a, a change in not just fortunes, but just the, the performance in general um, and, and how we're playing. Um, and with those contracts coming up, yeah, I mean, it could be exciting. It could be absolutely devastating. But, you know, the, the a lot of that lies on the shoulders of Graham Potter. God, this Newcastle game's important, isn't it? <laughs> Four wins out of the last Both five games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we've lost three in the last five. I, I hope Webster's back for this game. I really do. It's it looking dodgy not, from what Potter yeah. said yesterday. I, th- I think he's, I think we've, we've said this multiple times. I think he's the difference. It'd be laughable if we go into a game against Newcastle with a worse defence. <laughs> think yeah. of how the, how the tables have turned. Yeah. Uh, final thing, um, the championship table. Um, I will go ahead and say massively uh, riskily here that the top crop of teams don't look like the type that are going to comfortably just stay up next year either. Um, Fulham are running away with it and they, they have proven time and time again they are not a team that have the ability to stay in the Premier League. Bournemouth are below them uh, and that entire championship playoff picture doesn't particularly fill me with dread either. Um, it's not like years past, right, where you've had leads come up and you're like, okay, they're probably going to become a bit of a fixture here. Uh, you've not got your Brentfords where they're coming up and they're in such a great run of form and such a well-built side where you think, oh, shit, they could end up staying here a year or two. These are a lot of yo-yo teams that are going to inevitably be struggling massively, um, which I think gives us that that bit of extra calmness, I think, going in. like Let's not lose our minds and be really worried that we're going to have another Villa coming up, another Newcastle coming up, another Brentford, another Leeds I think we're in a spot where we can look at the teams coming up from the championship and not lose our minds over the summer as well. Cause I know there's going to be some people wanting to. Uh, it's so early to say you're probably right. I know. Uh, I know. But... On the other hand though, you've got sides now, like you, we've talked about Newcastle so much at this point, but Newcastle now are, they're not, we're not fighting with Newcastle any longer after this season. Um, yeah. so that, that removes one from the equation of potentially relegated sides. Um, Burnley seemingly can never get relegated and, I, and maybe they'll even pull this one out the bag and, and suddenly, yeah, you're, you're just hopeful that it, the bottom churns out. Um, who knows? I, our, our future is going to depend so heavily on this transfer window. Uh, it really is, as you say, so much potential turnover with, with our players, Pivotal players potentially going. We know Basuma is has already seemingly got one and a half feet out the door at the moment, based on the performances. So there's going to be a big change. It'll be really, really interesting to see what level of investment we'll get into the team this transfer window. We know we've already signed Undev to not big money at all. Incredibly yeah. big coup if he even partially works out. If he turns into a ten goal a season striker, you don't get those for a, what six million or whatever we paid for him anymore. That's fantastic. It's a low-risk, high-ceiling kind of deal. There's a lot of other pieces that we need to get into place now um, based on some of the deals that we've done. Yeah. Who doesn't love a transfer window? Yeah, it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think this one is going to be, like, like you said, it's going to be an absolutely pivotal one. Uh, and I think that Mikey in the chat saying that you know, this could be as tough as test today. I think that extends from now until the beginning of next season. I think with that turnover, with the form, with everything going on, now to to kick off in August or wherever it is going to be. Uh, I'm not sure when we kick off due to the Winter World Cup. So, oh god, yeah, I keep forgetting about that. Like usually, I'll be able to tell you that I'm not a hundred and ten percent sure anymore. So, whenever it is we kick off uh, for next season, between now and then, this is going to be. By far, this is going to be Tony Bloom's biggest test today. Let alone Grand Potter. This is going to be the club's biggest Premier League test today. By my post Ashworth transfer window, yeah. yeah. Post Ashworth, post a lot of big players that we brought in there for lots and lots of money as well. Uh, we spent a bunch of money on Trossard, Mope, uh, that are all coming out of contracts. So, be interesting. Um, 
let's hope with the world around us we can have a look at what's going on uh, instead of it being winter <laughs> instead of summer. <laughs> hey, here's one one bright spot um, yes. for those that haven't been paying attention to some of the youth players. Uh, keep an eye on the name Zach Emerson, two M's. Uh, he is playing in the under-18s right now. Scored 11 goals in 14 appearances um, with with three assists. So a goal contribution, one per game at the moment. I mean, he's, he's 17. It's going to be a while. Obviously, Evan Ferguson's next on the pecking order, but just just some way further down the line, little hope that we potentially have a, a bit of a gem there in the youth group. Yeah, that's what that's what we that's what we don't need to forget, isn't it? That you know, Josh alluded to it earlier. This is a very young team asking a lot of very young individuals, and we've still got a hell of a lot coming through on the pipeline. So um, it's just our our medium to long term future is is all but secure because um, that infrastructure has been built, and I don't, I don't think we can say anything bad about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, fellas, uh, I think we're good to wrap there. Um, so we will see you all for the Newcastle game. Uh, it'll be an interesting one. Lots going on. Uh, suspect it'll be a bit of a roller coaster week worldwide. So I'm sure we'll have plenty to discuss. Uh, have a wonderful rest of your week. Stay safe out there. And, uh, and yeah, have a good one. Cheers all. Thank you.